This is The Michael Bryan Show. Hi everyone, welcome back to the show. Today I'm joined with Irene Michaels, who is a beauty and lifestyle expert. She's the founder of the Eye on the Scene brand and also the lead singer of the Our House Band. Irene, thanks for joining me. Thank you very much for having me. So share a bit about your background. As far as I understand it, you were successful in horse riding or horse racing. Am I, am I right in saying that? Yes, I'm an equestrian. I've been riding horses oh, since I was 11 years old. And I've owned many horses. And now I own two, uh, a thoroughbred and a halflinger. And uh, I ride in the formal hunt here in Chicago. And I've ridden all over different, different places in the world. I've won lots of ribbons. And uh, I love it. It's uh, my happy place. What are the names of your horses? I'm always curious about where the names of horses come from. Oh, okay. Well, when you buy a horse or it's like a pre-owned horse, it's never a good idea to change the name. It's like, it's superstitious, never to change the name. So my one horse, his name is On The Mark because he's a thoroughbred and he's fast. And the other horse is Paris because he has blonde caramel hair like Paris Hilton. So, ah, cool. Cool, yeah. very interesting. So why do we not change the names of horses? Is it like a training thing where they have to learn to respond to something different or why, why else would it be? It's just not good luck, you know. Ah, okay. Yeah. Ah. It's, it's just a superstition, I suspect, but most riders honor that, so. Ah, cool. So what kinds of events have you run? Are they just races or is it more kind of, because um, I see some horses trot as well, which I honestly blows my mind how, how a horse could, could move like that. So what kinds of events have, have you ridden in? Well, there's different disciplines. There's dressage, there's cross country, uh, there's hunter jumpers, uh, which is what I do and uh, you're in a field and for, for me especially or particularly uh, the hunt is uh, where they release the beagles and the beagles are chasing a scent that somebody lays down in the field prior to the event and then the beagles go after the scent and then the horses with the riders follow the beagles and then it lasts for a couple of hours and you you ride through the fields and over the fences, sometimes brushes, it, it depends. And at the end of that two hour, you have a simulated, uh, what is called the kill, as if the beagles caught the fox, but it's just the end of the hunt. And then the master of the hound who completes the, and finishes the hunt, he blows his horn and everybody goes, Yahoo! And then we get on horse and we're still on horseback. We drive or ride to somebody's home, backyard, uh, in the prairie somewhere in the field. And we have what is called a stirrup cup. And the traditional stirrup cup is port. You drink port after, after you are still on your feet. <laughs> you can be on your feet. <laughs> so you're, if you get on and you get off, you're, you're healthy, you're in good shape. <laughs> Oh, I can imagine. Now I know that like horse racing, 
can be quite known for potentially mistreating animals and there's a lot of back and forth about sometimes they're treated better than the humans that sort of thing are you able to speak to that I can a little. I don't have a lot of experience, but I, like everybody else, hear these things that the horses are abused by over steroiding them, uh, steroid shots, uh, maybe overworking them, uh, doing things that they shouldn't do. And it's sad because, uh, you know, there are a lot of greedy people out there and they do anything to win a race, but there are also so many good people and just great horses. Uh, Horses don't last very long when they come off of a racetrack, you know, they're what, five, six, seven, maybe years old. And I was given a few of those horses and they're kind of impossible to ride because they're so hyper and they can't stand in the stall and hard to, to uh, saddle them up. But for the most part, the people love their horses and those, they're like they're like if it were an actor's Oscar, you know, they take care of it. Or they absolutely should. Yeah, yeah. It's it's fascinating when you kind of see how, how they move and they are so fast and they are so quick and the idea of mistreating them doesn't really cross my mind. It's normally yeah. behind the scenes and you don't normally see it. Right, right. Absolutely not. And they're they're so majestic and regal and they should be really respected. Yeah, beautiful creatures. Yeah, yeah. Do you have any ambitions to, to keep riding? I, I imagine you still ride as well, but do you still compete or, or not? No, I don't compete. I still do small shows, low-level shows. Um, I uh, still hunt, and, and that's plenty for me. Trail rides, it's just fine. Yeah. How did you get into the the beauty industry? I... I I think you were a dancer from a young age and then a model, I think. Was that how you, you transitioned in or did you sort of happen to come across it and decide to dive in? You mean as far as singing? Uh, singing and then the kind of the, the beauty industry as well, because I know you, you also found your own company. So I was curious as to how that started. Okay. So from a very early age, I was always interested in beauty and adventure and, uh, I grew up with three older brothers and they were all like weightlifters. So I was always surrounded by fit men and my mother as well. So I always, uh, from an early age, I used to go to the health club uh, with my brothers at 10 years old. And maybe by 14 or 15, I was already like pressing iron. <laughs> but uh, so I was always like in, in the health mode. Uh, then I actually, a long time ago, worked for the Chicago Health Clubs, and I learned a, a lot about the body while I was watching everybody else train. And so I just maintained that for my entire life. Also, as a dancer, I started dancing uh, in lessons when I was 11 years old. And my first class I went to was with my cousin, who was a tap dancer. And uh, I thought, wow, how fascinating your feet can do that, make those kinds of sounds. So I thought, I want to do that. So I started taking lessons and uh, I actually became very good. And the woman who owned the studio, she uh, made me her protege. And with that came along a lot of perks. And she started uh, placing me in different dance clubs. And then I just started traveling and touring. And then I had an audition 
and uh, was uh, for Chorus Line in uh, New York. So I got on that and I danced in Chorus Line for a couple of years. And then um, when I came back to Chicago, I was asked to do uh, a cover shot for a, I believe it was a cosmetic line. And I said, oh, sure, I'll do that. But I didn't have a clue what they meant. But I said, I'll do it. <laughs> I said, sure, I'll, I'll learn. <laughs> yeah. So I appear uh, on the set with the cameras and the photographer. I didn't know what the hell I was doing, you know. So the photographer got a kick out of that. And he showed me exactly. And from that day on, he trained me as a model and showed me how to move and the poses. And I worked with him for a good 10 years. I did a lot of great work here in the city of Chicago. I was on many covers. I won lots of contests. And so that's how I started you know, growing as a model. And then, um, of course, the next step from that is to, to act. It's a, a natural transition. And uh, I started taking classes just to keep my tools sharp and uh, learn more about the entire industry. And I was pretty decent at that also. And I decided to move to LA and continue uh, my studies and become even more serious. So I registered at the Weiss Baron School of TV in Los Angeles and I studied with them for several years. And I, I got an audition uh, for General Hospital, which is a very popular daytime soap opera. And it still is playing on the air. It's been on the air. I used to watch it when I was like five years old. So it's been out there for a long time. Matter of fact, <laughs> I used to watch that show with my mother and uh, it was her favorite uh, uh, soap opera. And I was a little girl. And then as I grew up and this happened for me, uh, I was so proud to be able to invite my parents to the set of General Hospital when I was actually working on it as a nurse. And that was a big coup for me, you know. So I stayed with that for uh, oh, several years. And then one of my parents became ill, so I came back to Chicago. And since I was in that industry, but it wasn't the same living in Chicago, I started to think about doing something in the beauty industry. And uh, so I consulted with a lot of industry leaders in, in that business and came up with a product called Ion Youth. And it's a, it's a beauty serum that you put under your eye or around your lips or on your hands or in your bust line. Many could use it as well. And it has a ton of hyaluronic acid in it. And hyaluronic acid holds the water weight in your skin and helps reduce and minimize the wrinkles. So uh, that became pretty popular. Matter of fact, we sell that product on Amazon. And as I got more involved in the beauty industry, I decided to write a book about it. And I did write a book and it became a um, it became very popular um, became let's see it took about maybe nine months I guess to finish it and then uh, it's called I on, I on beauty living beautifully and exclusively over 50 but I think I messed up the title there so let me get the book hold on a second <laughs> Back. 
I always do that because I have so many different titles in my mind. Here it is. Here is the book. Can you see? Did you get it right? And so this became um, uh, very popular and international uh, well-known. And so I'm very proud of that. It keeps me busy. <laughs> I, I imagine it does. And um, I wonder what it's like to actually create a product because I, I would guess that as a, a model, as a dancer, you didn't really start with product creation knowledge. So where did you go to to get that? How did, did you have to sit down and test all the serums? Did you have them all lined up in a row? What was the process like for creating a product, which I'm I'm assuming it was from scratch? Well, you know, I've tried many, many products. I uh, sampled many products at all the different counters. And it took, uh, it was quite a, a lengthy time. I put something on and I waited, nothing really developed or happened, or I didn't like the scent of it, or it was the texture of it wasn't feeling right on my skin, or it was too expensive, or I didn't like the application, it was too difficult, or it was messy. So I kept that all into consideration. And uh, 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 the one thing that I thought was really handy is that uh, uh, women always want to fresh up. Like when they like to try to put their lipstick on, sometimes they hide putting their lipstick on, or they go to the bathroom and they can't find anything, or they certainly can't carry it in their purse because their purses are dainty and small. So my product is very small and uh, it comes with a um, silver tip, a stainless steel tip. And it's very easy to just unscrew and put over your eye or your face. It's refreshed, put it back in your purse. And so that was a, a big coup for me. I thought that was a fabulous idea. And uh, I worked with an, uh, another gal who was also the director of operations in, in my existing company called, uh, her name is Suzanne Tripoldi. And she helped me quite a bit develop that product and uh, and also work on my book. So together we, we became pretty successful with it. Yeah. So you mentioned that a lot of it is in the ingredient that helps minimize the wrinkles and helps add, I guess, helps you hold water in the areas mm -hmm. that you need it. Did, did that encourage you to expand and, and try different products as well? Have you got a second one or was this the main focus because you found that it worked? Well, I had other products. I had a cleansing product and a makeup wipe, wipe product, but the serum is what really took off. And uh, I was actually asked to have my product on um, the Home Shopping Network. And I was really busy at that time. And and I would like to have done that, but you need hundreds and thousands of pieces of product to, to be able to sell. And that meant I had to go into full-time production. And it was a very costly and very time-consuming. And at that time, my, uh, my, my interest started to shift to my music. It was sort of like, you know, almost right before COVID. And, and then uh, I got busy with other things and I just let the the sales just take place with what they were doing and not really build any more because I wasn't sure if I wanted to invest more money into that company. But uh, yeah, I, I, I don't think, I think just if I was successful for one product, I was happy. So I just kept that.
must have took quite a bit of work to to really grow it on a, a small like production line, let's say. Let's say you can only really make them one at a time, ten at a time, that sort of thing. Yes, yes what, that's a good question. Yeah, yeah so what, what, what kind of things did you do to be able to make it a success, given that you couldn't, you know, mass produce it? Uh, well, there are companies that will produce small amounts, or you could private label also. And uh, so they're, they're out there, and that's, that's how you have to do it if you don't have that, because it's very costly to, I started many, many years before that to try to put a cologne out, and it was called uh, uh, Ireland, I think it was just called Ireland. And it was like a vanilla scent and it was a fantastic scent people loved it but the millions of dollars that would have had to go into it that kind of stopped me <laughs> so yeah you know that's why revlon and all these others are so big because they have this all these fun um, people with funds and uh, a, a big purse <laughs> yeah yeah definitely now, I, I wonder what people let's say we talk specifically over 50s is they're the kind of people that you that you help and you want them to be healthier happier that sort of thing where do people start if you in your 50s you want to look after yourself more what have you found moves the needle the most because health can be important but then is there something outside of that or is it beauty like what comes first well i think if you today, modern young girls today are already into a healthy regimen by staying fit and keeping their skin beautiful. And they start at 15, 16 years old. Years ago, um, women didn't do that. You know, when after 50, when they saw their first wrinkle, then they started to try to do something. But as the times have evolved, we realize, the public realizes that you really have to, it's much better if you start at an early age. And people are aware of that now much more. Uh, and so if the, the secret is really the one word, consistency. No matter what you do, even if it's a $10 product from Walgreens or a $3,000 product from La Pierre or what have you, if you don't do it consistently, it's not going to work. So that's what you must do. So. Uh, uh, and you could find many great products and have fit your price point. They don't have to be terribly expensive. And that's one of the things in, in my book, I Am Beauty, we have many, many tips for women. And back to your question, is, uh, is it just for over 50? No, absolutely not. Um, when I, the book first came out, we had many sales from men. So that was pretty interesting. Yeah. What, what, ten, what tends to happen over 50 as well? Like I, I wonder what, because I'm not there yet myself, and I'm curious as to what someone that is thinking that far ahead, so they're currently younger at the moment, what can they do to be consistent with so that they have an easier life at 50? Is there anything that you would tell the younger generation to do? Yeah, maintain a regimen and stick to it. Develop your regimen, make it easy for yourself, but do it all the time. Then it becomes like, oh, if you don't do it, you're very, you feel very guilty. It's as if you were training as a young athlete 
to be a tennis player, a football player, a baseball player. If you just hit the ball once a week, how good can you get? If you just do something for your face or your skin, you do it once in a while, it doesn't accumulate, so it can't be good. So really it's, it's, it's having the mindset to know. And today with all, before 50 years ago, you know, really, I don't know how long TV has been out, uh, or of course the internet, not that long. Without all of the, the information that comes to us now, it was just something that your mother told you to do. When you get older, you have to do this. <laughs> but now it's out there in your face every five seconds. Yeah. And every yeah. time you, you know, open anything on the internet, there's ads for everything. So the little kids, you know, they know what's going on <laughs> in yeah. the business. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I wonder, because a lot of the time, life can be complicated. Life can sometimes get in the way. Some people have the best of intentions, and then it all just kind of falls down. What are some of the things that you found works for you or maybe the people that you've helped to make it more straightforward or convenient or simple to be able to be consistent? Sometimes it's the, well, how do I actually be consistent that is the struggle? How do people make life easy for themselves so that they can actually stick to something? Well, I, I think it's a trait that you have to have. Um if you don't have it, um, I don't know how far you'll get, but I think um, just having knowledge and having support and having someone help and tell you like a parent or in, within the school system or TV, and, but you have to want to feel that way. Some people don't care about their looks, you know, and it's obvious. Um, you know, some of the celebrities, uh, unfortunately, that I've seen recently, um, who just have not aged well, they have either abused alcohol or taken too many drugs or didn't never care for their skin. And that's another thing is that, uh, you know, you are what you eat. And the same thing is that what you drink. So you need to fortify because this our body is one big organ. That's all it is. You have to feed it. It's like if we're a flower. And if you don't water a flower and just let it be, it's going to die because it will, you know, just die, wither and die. Uh, but if you water it every day, nurture it, take care of it, it blooms and it looks healthy and it looks green and it's moist. And, and so it's the same analogy. It's that we have to look at ourselves as just one big organ and we need to take care of it. Then it will take care of us. Do you recommend things like hydration, water, that sort of thing? What kind of actual protocols do you recommend people put themselves on? If you had to pick, say, a top three or five things to do, like my, like one of my top three would definitely be hydration. That that would be mine. Um, what would be your kind of top three to five things that you suggest people to actually follow for whether it's being consistent with things whether it's looking better after 50, because you definitely don't look 50, by the way, Irene, you, you, you look so much younger. How can people get like that? What protocols do you think people should follow? Uh, well, first thing they could do is buy my book. It tells you everything. <laughs> Secondly, just decent. Um, well, you're right. Hydration for sure. Um, we need to be hydrated. 
uh, I think uh, proper nutrition. I think everybody should see a nutritionist and decide what their body lacks, what it would need, how to make it better. So to uh, secure a great nutritionist and let her assist you through your nutrients or your vitamins. Uh, I don't think people need to take tons of vitamins. I think the stomach, it just hurts the stomach and damages um, everything inside. If you take, I know people who take a hundred pills a day, it's not necessary. You get most of your nutrition out of your, your, what you eat, your, your foods. And uh, definitely should eat greeny foods pretty much every day if you could, because that has chlorophyll in it and chlorophyll is very healthy for the body. So, and of course sleep. If you, if you don't get a lot of rest, uh, that will show, but if you can try and sleep, go to sleep at least uh, by 11 o'clock at night. It's better at 10, but I know that's un unrealistic. And, and, and in the entertainment business, it's really unrealistic. So uh, a nap now and then was always a good thing. Yeah. You, you mentioned that during COVID that you shifted your focus away from the beauty side of things into the music side of things. So what, what prompted that? Was it, was it the, the spare time as a result of potential lockdowns and things? Or, or was it a bit more going on that made you think being a singer was the way to go? I think it came out of sheer boredom. Because you know, sit in the house, what do you do? <laughs> uh, you can't talk to the people every five days or every five minutes about COVID. Uh, the internet, you can only do so much without driving yourself mad. And so uh, I sat down at the piano and I started playing, putzing around with the piano again and my guitar as well. And I thought, well, I think I'll just write some, try to write something. I haven't done that in a long time. So I started writing and I thought, wow, you know, I really miss this. And so I wrote a few songs, some lyrics down, and then I um, met up with a composer, friend of my husband's, who was actually who composed the circus, uh, which is now, um, it's, called, it's the uh, Big Apple Circus that takes place in New York. And the man, uh, Michael Levine, who wrote that music, he, I, I was introduced to him and uh, he while he was in New York, I was doing a one woman show. Uh, a cabaret show that I was experimenting with <clears throat> and he said well uh, be, let's get together and write some music, so we did and out of that uh, came a few songs that one is uh, really been on the charts for some time now it was number one for a long time. And uh, so then I thought, okay, if I'm doing this now, I have to decide really what it is I want to do. Do I want to write more books? Do I want to continue with competing with horses? Do I want to do music? Um, and so I said, well, let's, I'll, I'll try and do it all. <laughs> However, that didn't last too long because you have to eat, <laughs> sleep, and breathe it yeah. or else you'll do it. <laughs> And uh, so uh, I decided music was for me because it is what I did many years ago. And then I left it for other things. And actually that's what, you know, that's what called out to me. And so I think uh, I, I stuck with that. And that's what I do. I eat, breathe and sleep it. Yeah. 
what kinds of things do you do to help you create the music? So off the top of my head, I'm thinking things like keeping your voice healthy and maybe if there's breathing related, I don't know, I'm not a singer, how do you improve the way that you breathe and try to paint a bit of a picture for people? Because if you eat, sleep and breathe it, you must have certain things that you do every day to help with your singing, whether it's creative writing, working on your your breathing or your voice training, vocal work, that sort of thing. How do you do it? Uh, well, I have vocal coaches that coach me throughout the week. So I vocalize at least five times a week. That's one. And so I keep the instruments. It doesn't have to be for long, but you need to keep uh, again, back to consistency, because if you don't vocalize or if you it's a long time, a long gap in between, you, you just don't sound the same. Uh, plus, I do a lot of shows, so I have to rehearse for those shows. So I'm singing and learning new songs all the time. And I have a pianist that comes and works with me. And uh, I, I just recently uh, am working uh, lately with a, a gal by the name of um, Donia Oxford, who we're going to collaborate and write some songs and see where that goes. The, uh, the songs I mentioned to you earlier were called I Like Rain, I'm the One, Stolen Memories, and Words. Those are the four, four songs that are being released. And those songs are on the label Tracks. And Tracks is a house music label. And the owner of that label uh, is Rachel Kane. And she sort of talked me into doing house music. I really was doing pop. And she actually was after me for a year or so to, to try this new area. And I thought, well, I think I'm a little old for, for house music, don't you? She says, oh, no, look, look at Beyonce. Look at this one. It's all coming back. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I said, OK, why not? Again, I'll try it. I'll do it. So I did it. And uh, so the versions I have out are pop and house. Uh, and they're doing pretty, pretty good. Yeah. I'm up for a Josie Award in Nashville on October 22nd. For nice. One of my yeah. Friends. Well done. Yes. Yeah. That's kind of nice. Yeah. What's the song difference? Is it a different tempo? Is it different lyrics? Is it a different kind of instruments that you would use? What's the difference between the two, like house and pop music? Well, um, it's house music is basically dance music, uh, disco, sort of somewhat disco. Pop music is a little more for listening, but you still dance to it, of course. Uh, and it just has a different kind of a beat. It, you know, it's more of a driven beat with house music. And uh, some of it just only has maybe two lyrics in it. You know, a song is really long and only has two lines in it, rather. And pop songs are your old, basically, a lot of the uh, old American songbook songs, which is what I sing. But now I've been writing new things, so it's going to be like contemporary house. I've always been curious about the the music world, if you will. And one of the things that I love your your take on is the promotional and, and marketing side. So a lot of people do things in different ways, similar to like the movie business, is everyone has their own personal, I guess, 
contingencies and contracts and it's a weird and wonderful space i imagine music being similar so what's the actual promotion side like so a couple of things that might spring to mind might be maybe you do a lot of touring so you do a lot of gigs you do a lot of singing and that then promotes the the music and people buy the music and that's how you would make your your money on the the music and then some people would maybe do free events in the hope that they get extra promotion that sort of thing these are some of the ideas that are whirring around in my in my brain what's it like for you like what's the actual promotion and marketing side like for you well it takes a team it takes a team and it's it's you formulate a campaign and you you write the music then you promote the music uh, i have uh, eileen shapiro and jimmy Starr, who's my publicist and pr they are promoting uh, me and the songs that are out there along with Rachel as well and so you need promotion you, you get up the greatest song in the world but if nobody knows about it you know how's it going to get out there so it's we're really dependent on the people really doing their job right and well and uh, they do a great job at promotion and they've got it out there and um, they, I've got lots of bookings from them podcasts tv shows like yourself uh, so it's it's all uh, um, a process, and you have your publicist, you have your PR people, you have your label, you have the distributor, you have your promoter, you have your engineer, the studio where you record. Everybody's a part of this one uh, scenario to have a finished product, and then hopefully you make a dime. <laughs> <laughs> So is it like appearance fees or is it purely based on like streams and, and downloads and maybe CDs? Although in this day and age, I, I wonder how many artists are still creating CDs. But how's the actual the business side of it? I mean, it's it, it's all right to be, you know, as, as honest as, as you can be, because I know it, a lot of it could be confidential and things of that nature. But I'm just curious as to what the, the business side of things is like. I think... Um... I think it's a well-known fact now, it's my opinion as well, that artists don't make money on streaming. Uh, you can get millions of streams. You might make $30. I, I don't, I'm being facetious, but you don't make much. Uh, uh, I feel that when your song becomes popular and you're in demand and you go out and perform it and people come and buy tickets to see you, that's when you make your money. Yeah. They don't really sell records, you know. Although, what is a what is that big record call again? A, di a, a not a disc, but um, oh, like a, uh, a vinyl. A vinyl, yes. Like vinyls are coming back, but I don't know what, what they're going to do with it. You know. <laughs> <laughs> can, can you imagine young people buying vinyls as well? Yeah, yeah. I mean, everything goes around, comes around now and then. But I don't think uh, that's going to ever happen where you go out and buy a song for a recording artist. You go and see them in person. That's what people want to do. Yeah. Do you ever Look, see yourself doing things in that way again? Or do you think you'll be more like streams? And I imagine from what you said there, it's more like a private 
event kind of thing that people would then buy tickets for to to see you perform is is that where you think the the music and business side of things is going not necessarily private you really want to be out there uh you know be be my dream to entertain you know 40,000 people uh or maybe 80 <laughs> like Taylor Swift <laughs> how many people does she <laughs> oh Lord. Yeah. Um, that's her. She's doing great. But uh uh no, you you don't want private small events. There's no money in that really. Uh I mean I sing for charities and different things all the time without getting paid. It's not about the money, you know, it's the art of it. However, at some point you're spending uh, all this time and energy and money. So you hope you're in hopes of having some sort of return. And, you know, if you work hard enough and you're good enough, I think that can happen. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's almost like you are trying to position your, yourself in, in the right way, I guess, and, and hopefully benefit financially. It's funny you mentioned charities as well, because I hear you're quite the philanthropist activist as well. So you seem to have a lot on your plate at the moment. I was going to ask you just about how you that so a kind of borderline time management skills right now being able to juggle all of these things all at once yeah i'm very good at juggling and uh i have tons of energy <laughs> uh so i can fit a lot into one day uh it might it might not be the wisest thing i don't know if i'd advocate that or <laughs> tell people that they should do that but if you're going to do it you need to really be uh, on, a, on, your, uh, on a very tight schedule and you have to multitask you have to be good at that uh, so I do get a lot of things done I am on a lot of boards uh, I do sit in on a lot of things plus do my rehearsing my writing um, yeah it's a it's a full-time job every day I wonder what your average day might look like I know it sounds a weird segue from everything else that we've spoken about but how do you structure things? I know you want like tight deadlines. You mentioned being quite frivolous with like structure and having set times for things, which I imagine plays a part. But talk us through a little bit about what your day, average day, would would look like. Oh, <laughs> okay. I get up in the morning. I have my coffee. Then I go down to my gym and I work out. Then I come upstairs and I check all my messages and I'm on my phone with my assistant or people who work with me. Then I go to my first meeting, whatever that might be, and come back. Then I'll take my vocal lesson, do that for an hour or two, stop there, go out and do something socially, some commitment I would have, come back, check my computer again, or go to a recording studio, come back, go to a show that I have to see and perhaps um, uh, help promote in some way uh, things that I want in the music industry that I want to learn from for myself. That's always something going on in the city to go and see what other people are doing. So I'll do that part part of my day. Um, I have a, a lot of animals. I have a husband, so I do that chore also <laughs> and take care of the family. And uh, and then by that time, it's ten o'clock at night. Yeah, so it it sounds like you're you're quite rigid with your time and you know when things start and finish that sort of thing. Yes. Is it 
is it something that's easy or difficult to stick to? Because I know discipline can be tough for some people. You mentioned before that sometimes it's like a trait that you or a skill that you would have to have to be able to do it. Do you have any insights into how best to do that? Because I've had situations where I've had to communicate ahead of time and say, look, I'm really sorry I have to do this, but I do have another commitment at such and such a time. Is it okay if we give it five minutes before that so I can prepare? And they're normally quite happy to do that. Other times I've been guilty of forgetting to communicate that beforehand. And then that does roll over into the next commitment and then the next one before you know it you're finishing 10 20 minutes later than you otherwise would and some people don't don't mind other people do but i was curious as to how you actually i guess you would say efficiently and logistically manage all those things do you just tell people ahead of time look i've got this thing at this time we do need to finish by now is that okay is it as easy as that or is there a bit more to it well i i think that most of the people that i deal with are all in the same circumstance they're all doing a million things at one time so we all have tight schedules and they understand that and you just tell people you know i have a hard stop at 11 o'clock or i have i must be gone uh so yes i i give them warning up front and then I, I'm careful uh, how I how I strategically plan my day. I don't make a meeting downtown and one way out in the suburbs, you know, almost ten minutes apart. I'll you know I'll be efficient about the timing of it, and it's something I've done my entire life. So it's not like uh, a big heavy chore for me. Um, I think today's world, everybody has so much on their plate. And it's moving so fast that everybody is forced, whether they like it or not, to accommodate time. Yeah. Yeah, it's, a, it's an interesting point, actually, because I found that, in my own experience anyway, people are actually glad when <laughs> you stick to things like that. Because so many people struggle, they're really busy, it's dead easy to fall into that, oh, well, we're going to be late anyway uh, that kind of thing uh, and yeah. it, it just gets to a, a point where it's almost a breath of fresh air for someone to come in and go really sorry to be a pain i hope it's not a big issue but and you just see the peace on their face where they just go oh, oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> thank you so much for for saying that because of this and because of that and i'm like oh great yeah it's interesting how many people are on the same page if you, I guess, say, let them know what page you're on. Yeah, I think so. I think, yes, yeah, I do. Yeah. And if people wanted to find out more about you, learn more about the music that you're into, perhaps explore the, the beauty line that you have, how can people find you and those things? Well, I have a website. It's called Irene Michaels Music, which talks all about my music and displays some of the things I have done. Then I have another website called IonTheScene.com, and that's all about lifestyle and luxury and, and beauty. So that, that's where you would find out more about my beauty products and what I do in that world. And so those are the two places that they can see. And then at the end of the websites, there's people's name or the PR name or the director's name, how they could contact me.
thanks so much for being a guest on the show. Those that are listening, feel free to subscribe, share the show, tell others, and also leave a review wherever you are listening in to your podcasts. Irene, it's been great. Thanks so much for taking the time, and I look forward to keeping in touch. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you.